Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to again thank those of you who have been sending your offerings. We are able to do this because of you and all of our partners, of course. And I say that because it's been a very difficult time for us in these last couple of weeks, getting over the floodings of Texas, and we came into a mighty heat wave, as only southern Texas can serve up, and our air conditioning went out. And we were sitting, <laughs> I'll leave the rest to your imagination, but I, I thank you for those of you that heard of that through Facebook and have stood with us. Thank you. And now I want to continue with that elder brother of Luke chapter 15. Um, I've got at least one more week out of this. Uh, I I find he's a, a fellow that is of such importance to understand in these days in which we live. He's a, he's a man who lived in the presence of his father's love, in the presence of plenty, and was so blind, and in his blindness had a distorted, twisted image of his father that made him believe he was a slave living in rejection and poverty. I know people like that. Anyway, let, let's read, and I think you know the story. In verse 29 of Luke chapter 15, he rails against his father, giving this distorted image of what his life is like and about. But then in verse 31, the father, who already has shown extreme love in coming out to deal with the boy, which, as we've talked elsewhere, that, that was the breaking of every custom uh, in society, in, in the eyes of the people making a fool of himself to come and entreat this hostile, sneering son. But now he speaks. And I would say these are the most tender words that are spoken to such persons. In all of the Gospels, Jesus here distills the very love of God into words. This this son who has just insulted his father. Verse 31, the father said to him, My child, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live 
was lost and has been found. And it's, it's that phrase that the father used in speaking to the son. My son, you have always been with me. Now, um, Jesus, as I've said, and I, I think everyone will, there, there's no such person as the prodigal son or the elder brother. It's a story that Jesus told. And yet everyone, uh, beginning with me to you, we find ourselves here. And, and so they take on our own flesh and blood. But the words that Jesus then puts in the mouth of the characters, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is the storyteller, so he can make them say whatever he wants. And he puts these words into their mouth. So Jesus wants us to hear the Father say, My child, you have always been with me. And by this time, it's obvious that the father of this story is a very clear picture of God the Father, what he's really like, and not what the satanic religious twist on his beautiful face is. The real father, Jesus is portraying him here. And of course, in that sense, he's portraying himself for he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the perfect, the exact representation of the Father. See Jesus, and that's who the Father is. And, and so that we're meeting with God the Father. Now, in saying these words, as I hope I'll show you in a moment, there are two things that you have to hold in mind. The audience Jesus was speaking to, especially the Pharisee, they knew the Old Testament to perfection. I mean, they'd memorized most of it. And therefore, when Jesus puts these words, you have always been with me. I mean, to our Western ears, so you've always been with me. But that phrase to the ears of the Pharisee summed up the entire Old Testament covenant that God had made with his people. And that becomes a very important thing in terms of those who heard him. But also, you have always been with me. When the early church, that is, those who would receive of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and would understand who Jesus is and why he has come, when the Holy Spirit comes, those words would take on an even greater meaning. And I believe Jesus meant it for that. He, he meant to speak deeply into the Pharisees with these words and also deeply into persons who, when he said it, they weren't even there. And, and so let's look tonight into the fullest meaning of these words of Jesus. I, I said that the phrase sums up the entire Old Testament covenant relationship that the Lord had with his people. The word with, I, I know. I, I know there are many who think I haggle over words that are so obvious. Well, 
think what you will. The, these words, the, the trouble even in English, we have become such a shallow people. Uh, our minds are quarter of an inch deep and ten miles wide. Um, and so we say words. Well, so, uh, half of the people no longer say them, they text them. And, and, and that means even less then. With. Do you know what with means? It's the most fantastic word in the Bible. With. It, it, it sums up God's covenant commitment that God said, I am with you. That I am with you. I mean, really and truly, I could sit here for the next hour and just keep saying that until the Holy Spirit would blast your minds open with you. The people of the Old Testament summed that up in the most beautiful sentence, which we still use to this day. They greeted each other. Whenever they met each other, they would say, The Lord be with you. They were echoing God's covenant commitment. And, and they were reminding each other. They declared over each other. They blessed each other with, The Lord be with you. And the response to that was either, And also with you, you see. Two people meet on the street. They don't say, hello, how are you doing? No, they look at each other and they declare their faith that the Lord is with you and he's with me too. That's it. It, it was the, you could say the word secret. It was the secret of these men of God in the Bible. Um, and whenever you read their stories, you're going to come across it very soon. Um, have, have a go, you say. Abraham, the secret of Abraham's life was the Lord said to Abraham, I'm with you, I'm with you. That, that's it, you say. It's, it's the end of all arguments. God himself in his fullness is with Abraham. Isaac, do you remember Isaac had some Philistine neighbors and they didn't believe in the Lord uh, but when they saw what was happening in Isaac's ranch they came to him and they said you know old fellow we've been watching you and, and it's very obvious God is with you they recognized it there was something about Isaac and Jacob but Joseph do you remember Joseph kidnapped by his own brothers, thrown in, into slavery, purchased by Potiphar, then thrown into jail and before he became second in command of all Egypt? But do you remember he wrote his own story in the book of Genesis? You have you could call it Joseph's journal of what happened to him. And he pepper and salts that record with the phrase and the Lord was with Joseph made all the difference you can make me a slave you can lie about me blackmail me throw me into jail it doesn't matter because the Lord is with Joseph and all this is now being worked together in a divine synchronizing Joshua 
If you read the first chapter of Joshua, that's all it seems to say. That you, no one will be able to stand before you wherever your foot treads, whatever happens, wherever you go, all the days of your life. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. As I was with Moses, so I am with you. It, it's the story of his life. You remember uh, Gideon. And the Lord came to Gideon, and Gideon was of all persons in most despair, had a victim mentality, saw himself as less than an ant. And the Lord said that he would rise up and throw down the enemies of the people of God. And Gideon gives this litany of all the reasons why he's a useless nobody, a worthless, God could never use him, so please move on and... And the Lord said, uh, he says, the Lord is with you. And, and Gideon's answer is, well, if the Lord is with us, what's all this? And, and is it not, the, the Lord won't discuss, he won't debate the, the nonsense that spews out of Gideon's mind. He just goes back to it. He said, in this your strength, that the Lord is with you. And the rest is history. Do you remember Caleb? When they went into the land and they saw the difficulties and ten of the spies uh, collapsed in fear and despair and weeping and so on. And, and Caleb said, the Lord is with us. They don't stand a chance. Let's go in. It was the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. It was the covenant. Uh, and maybe the best of all is Moses as he is speaking with God. I won't even bother with the context but um, in chapter 33 of Exodus, and Moses is saying to the Lord, um, the necessity of this witness of God with them. In verse 14, the Lord said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, Listen to this. If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Forget it. I want no idea of a special people of God that that's rubbish unless your presence is with us. It means that whatever else may be said, the only thing that matters is that your immediate presence is with us. And he goes on, verse 16, For how then... Can it be known that I have found favor in your sight? You see, favor, blessing, it's not in stuff, it's not in things, it's in the immediate presence of God with you. And he goes on and says, Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? Well, that's one of the most amazing texts in the Bible, that we may be distinguished. There's a, there's a difference. There's an otherness. People don't always understand what it is, but they know there's a difference. And that difference is the immediate personal presence of God with. Oh, I say it again. This little phrase that Jesus in storytelling puts into the mouth of the Father. He's summing up the Old Testament. You've always been with me. Understand this. This isn't our idea. Who? Who on earth would come up with this idea that God was with us? No. This started with 
Father and Son and Holy Spirit. This started on God's side of this. It's God's initiative to be with us. Hear me. The eternal, that is, before time purpose of God, the reason he created us is that he might be with us. Again, that's something I just like to keep repeating. Don't pass over it quickly. The reason that God created us, created you, is that he might be with you. He created you that you may be friends, companions, that you might have an intimate knowledge of the love of this God. In fact, that the love of God might be fulfilled in you being with him. I mean, we would stop there, couldn't we? I mean, doesn't that say that you are not insignificant? I mean, you're not. In fact, it says here, you are distinguished. You are favored. You are blessed because God the Creator determined in making you, He made you to be with you and you with Him. An intimate of the Creator. That means then your life is not meaningless, is it? I mean, if, if the Lord is with you, that includes your workplace, it includes your kitchen, it includes your life. And if he's with you, then there's meaning to what you do every second. There's purpose in getting out of bed in the morning, for this is a day that is with him. you ever thought about God like this? God. See, pe- people talk about God. Well, the Father has revealed himself in Jesus, and the revelation is within God, the three persons, one God, three relational persons. But God, who is complete in himself, refuses to be locked up inside his godness, his deity. He refuses to keep himself to himself. And so the love of God, free, free, in that he will not be locked up, he will, shall I say, burst outside and create you and I, who are not him, but he would create us to be elevated, exalted, to be the companions of deity, companions called Jesus Christ, God's Son, our brother, call in unison with him, call God Father, Father, Abba, Daddy, And to do so in the personal work and interaction and celebration and dance and laughter of the Holy Spirit. Wow, you're amazing. 
That's what the Father knows about you. But you see, most of us are as blind and deaf and twisted in our imagination as this elder brother. Don't know that. We, we talk about ourselves like slaves. We talk about ourselves like orphans as if we don't have a father. We're alone, abandoned in the universe, and we're victims of anything we can find. No, says the father. I know who you are, and I know who I am. And it's not what you think. Father knows more than the son who is in his dark, confused world. And the Father spoke the absolute truth. This is the message Jesus is giving to these people. The Father here speaks the truth. Whatever you think, whatever your ancestors have twisted and distorted your mind. No, this is the truth. You are always with me. You're always with me. I, I, I don't care how hostile you are. I don't care... You can't change the meaning of your own creation, whatever you do. That's still your meaning, to live out your life in this with. You are always with you. He doesn't... Okay, this is so intimate, so personal. You see, it's been, it's been all through this chapter. See, the, the, the shepherd goes to find one sheep. The, the woman goes to find one coin. And we, we've already had the father run out to the road for one returning son. Now he comes out to the other one. He doesn't deal with gen- The shepherd didn't go to the whole jolly flock. You see, just one, one, one sheep. That's what Jesus was saying. This is one-on-one. This is personal, so personal. Your father didn't say, this family is always with me. That would be true, of course. But he, he's saying, you, you are with you God does not reveal himself as the God locked up inside a temple he's the God who's so free he got out of the temple into your kitchen (laughs) he's with you oh if I could reach through this screen and get a hold of you and look in your eyes and say he is with you personal intimate Knowing intimately your kitchen, your work. He's bound up in in what you do every day, your school, your college. He's bound up in your play. He's bound up in your whole social life. He's locked into you. That's his eternal purpose. He's with you. With, I, I don't want to push it, but I mean, with is not above. Have you noticed how Satan has clouded religion uh, and they talk about Almighty God? That's really not, not what the Bible says. It does say God is Almighty, though even that's a bad translation because... The word almighty in the scripture, El Shaddai, actually means, get ready for this one, El Shaddai, which we translate in our Bibles as God Almighty, means the breasted one. 
It means that you, like a babe at the breast of your mother, and being suckled by the strength of God, that's his almightiness. But, but um, whenever we would think of the omnipotence and the power of God, how the earliest Christians in the Nicene Creed made it plain, we believe in God, the Father Almighty. Yes, he's almighty, but he's dad. His father, he's not remote, he's not up there like that other, I say, keep saying satanic, I, not the horns and tails stuff, I mean the, the great deceiver, the blinder clouds of darkness that confuse everybody. They call him the man upstairs. And I say, where is God? And they point up. No, you see, he's not up. He's not up. He's not remote master. He's with us. The most intimate word, he's with us. Nor is he below. We're not down looking up. That would make us slaves like this elder brother thought he was. He's not crushing and dominating us. He's with us. What does with mean? Well, it's got a little extra meaning in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, which carries over into the New Testament. But really, in English, if ever we got to understand the words we say to each other, it means face to face. I'm with you. It's, it's what happens in marriage when she stands in front of he and he stands in front of her and they look in each other's eyes that's the with that that's it, it means in the immediate presence of it means fellowship together it means in its deepest sense friend and companion it means we're sharing life. We have a mutual life. We're with. I mean, in, in the most casual usage of the term, with means you're stuck with me. I'm with you, and you're with me. But in the highest form, it means that we share every joy together. We weep together in every sorrow. We face every challenge together. We grasp every opportunity together. We're with each other. We're with. And as I said, in the Old Testament, it has that added meaning um, of covenant, which means commitment. It's, I am with you until death do us part. For life or for death, I am with you. That's a covenant statement out of the Old Testament. Covenant means I give myself to you. I seal it with my own shed blood. For this commitment is for life or for death. It might kill me to keep it, but I will keep it even if it kills me. Commitment, I'm with you. And we say when we, we have a project or something up ahead, we, we say to a person, are you with us, you see? Or from the other side, a fellow will say, I'm with you. Throw in my lot with you. It means, we're, we're, okay, it's done. We're, we're in together. We're in with you. I'm with you. That means I'm not against you. Pretty obvious, but think about it. 
I'm not against you. I'm for you and all my resources I bring with me for we are mutually together. I'm for you. I'm God's for us. If God be for us, who can be against us, he said. Close with. With. So close. The New Testament word is abiding. We live together. Our lives interact and overlap. He's inside of me, says the scripture, and I'm inside of him. For me to live is Christ. You know all those texts. It's, it's this with. And this isn't some spiritual floating up there five miles off the face of the earth. This is with me. He is with me in my body. What happens in this body, where this body goes, what this body does, what this body feels, my nerves and my emotions and my imagination. He is with me, with me. He's with me here in my soul, wherein those invisible parts of me operate. He's with me in my innermost spirit, where I can commune and know him and be known it's a heart union he's with me you see and it's not a static work with it's a living word it, it means and, and it describes a moving together continue moving toward each other that that is your your wife is more with you today than the day you got married you you are moving together you're knowing each other with its its relationship word means you are company through life together it's like ruth said to naomi where you go i go you know remember that where you live i live with means we belong together. With means that I be where the other is. Huh. Now can you understand it? The Lord be with you? Good grief, that should send you doing cartwheels through the day. Joy. The Lord is with me. He's for me. He's pro me. He likes me. Bible calls it a shield all around you. The permeating of my spirit, my mind, my emotions, my body, my work, my relationships permeated with this presence. How does God the Father see you? It's about time we catch up. This, this fellow we're reading about here, I don't know if he ever did catch up. To know himself as the Father knew him. To know truth as the Father knew truth. Instead of to live in this bag of corrupt lies that he called life. How do you see yourself? In Jesus Christ? You, you, <clears throat> you live in, but that in is in. And therefore, being in radiates out. Does that make sense? The Bible says, you, you, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill. So that means there is a 
light. It's in your words. It's in your actions. It's in your presence. Sometimes you only have to show up. Uh, the, the light, the truth, the reality of this presence. He, he's in you, through you. This love. God is love and that love is poured out into our hearts. This is life. For eternal life, says John 17, 1, is this act of relationship and knowing God your Father through Jesus. So, let me put it this way. Don't get upset. I'm using the words of the Bible. It says that there's a personal, infinitely personal, Holy Spirit energy field that is in you and around you. Oh, if only you could see yourself as you really are. He, he who is the glue of creation, of life itself, dwells within you and radiates from you, which means you never fall apart. <laughs> when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the fire, it shall not come close. You know how it is. You know, there, there's a, a fabulous verse in Psalm 22. If you're one of our partners, I'm doing a special message on this just for you and you'll be getting it pretty soon. Um, it's in verse 9, Psalm 22, verse 9. He said, Yet thou... David is speaking, yet thou art he who didst bring me forth from the womb. Thou didst make me trust when upon my mother's breasts, upon thee I was cast from birth. Thou hast been my God from my mother's womb. Well, what I do with the partners, I take a full hour for that, but very quickly here, it, because you see, it, it's almost the same as what this father, using the words Jesus puts in his mouth, he's saying to this son, he said, you're always with him. Always. Always. Yes, always. And interestingly, I pointed this out the other day, that the world word son that he uses here, he said son, but that's a different word to all the other times the word son is used in this story. The, this one, when he uses it here, it's a, it's a much more intimate word. It could be translated, my dear child. But it, it was used, actually, for little children coming on into teenage. And, and so, you're my little boy. You're my dear little child. It's tender. It, it's, it's, it's the sense of your weakness, but you're in my arms. It's the word, interestingly, that the Virgin Mary used when she found Jesus in the temple after searching for him all that time. Do you remember? And, and so he's a 12-year-old boy. And, and Mary comes and says, and our Bible says son, but th that's this word. It means my little boy, my, my child, you know, and you burst into tears and, and it, that's it. He's saying to this son, this adult he speaks to him in the tenderest language you reserve for a little child. He says, you've always been with me. Always. That is what this in the psalm is saying. Um, 
from your coming out of the womb, you see, from when you were suckled at your mother's breast. You were with me. That is, before you even knew you were alive, before you had any consciousness of what was going on, before you could interpret anything that was happening, I was with you. <laughs> I was there with the delivery. And as David thinks about that, he said, Upon thee I was cast from my birth. This word, cast, it's a strong, it's almost a harsh word. Um, it, it means, in the original language, to throw. And I mean serious throw. They, they would use it in Las Vegas when they roll a dice. They throw the dice. And it's, uh, in, in the Bible, it's called casting lots when they would throw the dice. And that's the word they use, casting lots. Um, it, 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 I tell you, they used it to describe the beginning of an adventure when, when you're going to step out into the unknown. It's as if you're cast out of society and you, you don't know really where you're going, but you're going. It's, it's that kind of a journey, step by step, but you're not sure where the next step will lead. You've been cast out into life in assuming the adventure. It, it's akin to what we say, you know, in those old stories, once upon a time. Well, what David is saying, in the moment of my birth, as I, as I passed out of the birth canal, I was cast. I, I, as my head crowned, I hear it being said once upon a time. It's beginning, this adventure only, it's the beginning of an adventure of terror. I, I, I'm being spewed out into a fallen world, a world that is encompassed with fear and anxiety. My parents, God bless them, they didn't know what to do with me. Huh. No, they, they suddenly find this little creature is part of their family. They don't know what to do. They're too young. They've never been here before. And, but I don't know that. I, I'm, I'm put into this world of fear and anxiety and apprehension. And, and those parents and all the extended family and the peoples around, they're all trying to find the meaning of life, trying to find out why we're here. And now here's another one to join us. And, it's the world governed by Eden, the self for self. I find myself in the middle of that dog-eat-dog -dog world. People groping for meaning and purpose. People feeling so alone and worthless. And I showed up. And it wasn't long before I began to experience the pain of that world. It's grief and it's sorrow. Oh yeah, says David, I was cast out of my mother's womb, thrown out. Adventure begins. But then he says, upon you, upon you I was cast. He said, you were there. 
and your hands were beyond that of the gynecologist. Yeah, you took me out of the womb. I didn't know that. I was not even aware of you or anybody, but you took me out of the womb before I, before I had a brain that could think. And, and, and you guided, and when my mother had me at her breast, you were there. You guided me, you led me. He gives us this, this big picture. You always, you were always with me, said the father, always. It's no wonder the baby cries as that adventure is announced, but David sees beyond and he says, you've always been there. See, you know the word repentance, I've said it enough. The word repentance does not mean what the English word would try to mean. The word repentance in the Bible is metanoia, which means to have a radical change or even exchange of mind. I like exchange because it means taking my mind which has marinated in the lies of Satan and if I've been around much religion there's plenty of that in there too and I exchange those thoughts for the thoughts of God and I look back on my life and I could be a victim of course we all could uh, we're, we're experts at that and we can keep on going back and saying if only that had not happened oh now it's time to exchange it always with he was there before you knew him he was there before you knew there was a God he was there he was with you never left you his footprints are always there in your life and and when you felt the abuse and the grief and the sorrow he carried you through didn't he what was it that what what was it that brought you to be listening to me tonight go back and realize when you didn't know him when you didn't see him when you didn't thank him or praise him or talk to him he was with you he refused to be God without you and he's going to stick with you and he's going to guide you and he's going to love you and he's going to surround you though all hell breaks loose against you he's going to carry you through and here you sit tonight he's with you Isn't amazing he said I was cast upon you cast. I, I, I came out of the womb right into your arms didn't know it but I did and all my life you've been with me and beside me. Long before I ever knew your name. One translation has it, when I left the womb you cradled me in your lap. Always. He's always been with you. And when you did the daftest things you could ever do. And when you were hostile and turned away, he never left you. Always. That sullen elder brother sat across the table like a lump of meat, refusing to connect with the father who loved him. But the father kept on loving him. You can't make God different to the way he is by your behavior. 
He's with you. He's not going to bail out when you don't like him. He's not going to bail out when you refuse to talk to him. He's going to get you because he loves you, you see. And he's not going to leave you when trouble hits and when the tornado comes and when the hurricanes come and when the floods come and when the fires come. You don't have to scream, be with me. He's with you. He's experiencing your feelings. He's there right in the middle of your emotions. He never leaves you. Always. He's your travel companion. Love goes with you through life. You see, you don't earn this. Of course you don't earn it. This is the way God is. This is the reason behind creation. This is his desire. This is his purpose for you. And he does this. He's with you by his love initiative. And what he does in your life is by his love initiative. You know, there's a verse in the Psalms, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants after you. And and if you've ever seen here in Bandera, Texas, our our little city is full of deer, full of them. And, and, And in these hot, hot, hot days, you see them panting after the water, have you ever thought of this? If, if a mere human pants after God, how much more does God pant after you? Think about that. This is the will of God. The will of God is not a destination. Oh, boy, how people talk about the will of God like it's, you know, place marked X on the map. And... Uh, they pray, get in the will of God, fall out of the will of God. I've got to find the Oh, shut up. Load of religious nonsense. The will of God? will of God isn't a destination, not a piece of geography. It isn't the people who speak a certain language. It's not the will of God. Will of God isn't something you do. Will of God isn't something you serve him. That all is secondary. What's the will of God? That you be with him. I'll go back because uh, this word with is is so close to marriage relationship. You know, marriage isn't that she cooks your breakfast. Marriage isn't that he fixes a shelf in the garage. Marriage isn't that you live in New York versus Chicago. No, all those things will find their place. But marriage is with. It's two people interacting. The will of God is that he is with you and you are with him. And out of that will flow a million things. But wherever I am, to whomever I speak, I'm in the will of God. Because the will of God is That union through Jesus Christ by the Spirit. I'm united with the Holy Trinity. There I live and he lives in me. And that's the will of God. And from there, he can put me here. He can... But but it's, 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 it's not that terrible thing that we live. Have I found the will of God? I've fallen out of the will of God. The will of God is he loves you. He likes you. And he's been with you before you even knew him. And of course, that is what Jesus is ultimately all about. He 
it's hidden there in the, this story. The with, the Lord be with you, that dominates the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 8, he begins to speak of Jesus. Of course, he doesn't know his name at that point. That was 750 years before Jesus came. But he begins to speak of this one who is coming. And he called that one who is coming Emmanuel. That's a Hebrew word. Emmanuel means God with us. I am im. In Hebrew means with. L E L is is one spelling of God. God with us. Emmanuel. God is with us. And when Jesus was born in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, it says that's what Isaiah was talking about. Emmanuel. You should call his name Emmanuel. He's God with us, but with us as they'd never dreamed in the Old Testament. Because th this is God with us. I've lost my microphone. But God with us. God with us as no one had ever thought of before, that, that God would be so with us, he would get inside of us, take our skin and bone and nerves and ligaments and muscles and liver and glands and lungs and heart, and he would become human. God would get inside our humanness. Or as John goes even further, inside our flesh. That, that's the arena where the fall of man happened and happens. Uh, he came inside our darkness. We couldn't get closer. He came so close that we, the human race, spat in his face and said, crucify him. We couldn't get any closer. He came right where we are. And he embraced us and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he carried in his own self. He becomes the human of all humans. He becomes the summation of human. And he carries that to death. That all that which spewed out of Eden, the lie and the darkness, might be left in the tomb when he rose from the dead, we were rebirthed, a rebirthed humanity to live in union with the Holy Trinity as was always the purpose. See, salvation is that we awake, we're resurrected to the astonishment of the with. We are with the Father because Jesus is God getting inside of us and carrying us with with and that is a reality and actualized by the Holy Spirit coming into us right at this moment you're looking at a man in whom every pore of my skin the Holy Spirit dwells within me and I am speaking to people of whom that is the truth uh, do, do, do not, don't think of salvation as an it. You know, I went forward, I prayed the sinner's prayer, I got it. Oh, please. 
I don't doubt the Lord in his magnificent love for you laid hold upon you in a new way at that time. But I, I want you to enjoy this more. It's not an it. not an impersonal thing. Salvation is Jesus. He is God the Son who reveals the Father, who brings the Spirit. I am with the Holy Trinity through Jesus personal. Jesus didn't say come and I'll give you the four spiritual laws. He said come to me for in Jesus is the whole sum of, of salvation and everything that it holds. Nor is it all to do with after death. <laughs> I, you know he, here's the man and he's going to propose to his wife. And, and he said you know he kneels before her and he said, would you marry me so we can enjoy life after death? Ha! Don't you see the stupidity of this? Salvation is now being married to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. Or as John seventeen three says, this is eternal life. This is it, he said. Not that you're going to live forever in heaven. Yes, you will, but that's something else. He says, this is eternal life that you might know. And that word is the same word that's used to describe the marriage relationship. That you might know the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son. No. Salvation is now waking up in resurrection to the fact he's with me he loves me he's for me he's in me he's through me i never live my life alone i'm not an orphan i'm not a slave i'm not a victim all that was part of satanic lies yeah but what lies what a tragedy what a tragedy that this elder brother lived out however many years of his life, right in the presence of his father's love, who had given him everything, who was everything, who surrounded him love, who set him free in love to enjoy life. And instead, that elder brother lives under rigid rules that he'd imposed upon himself, who checked up on himself every night. Have you done your best? Are you good enough? who looked at his father as a cash cow, who looked at his father as in about time, you totted up what I've done and give me a bonus. And Oh, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. In the presence of the with father, yet in his twisted imagination, he saw someone else, a false father. A slave master. You know who I'm talking about. Same people Jesus was talking to. They're people. God is with them. God's love surrounds them. God's love pursues them. God's love is up ahead of them so that they continually smash into him. They don't see it. They don't get it. They're consumed with their rules. They're consumed with their morality. They consume with I'm better than. 
I'm not like. And it's about time God recognized it. Am I doing enough? No, I must be guilty and condemned and, you know, the whole nine yards. Or some that have totally forgotten everything and just go to church to have a social world that everything the 21st century can give in terms of some sort of performance. And then when it all crashes down, when the only thing that matters is he's with me, they suddenly discover they've got nothing. No, the Father says to you and to me, I'm always with you. You are always with me. Just think about this. As you walk out, see, you're still part of that adventure that began. The once upon a time that happened when your head crowned and you began the birth process. Once upon a time. And it began with you. And includes all your life. All the joys. The laughter. The funny side of life. The delights of life. Little things. To see a sunset and to see butterflies. To see your little toddler doing those strange things. To see... Huh. The other day I saw a squirrel do a somersault. Nancy, my wife, sits on the porch and she's got names for every bird in the garden and it's amazing the little different characteristics that she found out about all the birds and even the way their feathers go. And it's a delight. And I hear, I hear the laughter of God. He delights in us and with us in his creation. Little joys, big joy. And tears. I stood in the emergency room as Nancy lay dying in front of me, screaming, well, writhing is a better word, in the agony of a massive heart attack. And, and to know he is with us. He is with us. And, and he is life and health and hope to stand in your losses to stand when the tornado went through and there's nothing left to stand in your successes he's with me he's with me you see he's with me you say well why did he let that happen if he's with me that's never a question to ask I'm sorry you in kindergarten are asking a question reserved for university why? No, your question is, who are you to me right now? What is it in you that I'm discovering in this moment that I have not and could not have known until now? What do you want to be to me now? They're the sort of questions. He's with you. And sometimes, yes, because he's with you. Healing is a real expectancy. The making of everything right with a word of a miracle. Yes, we expect that. We live in that expectancy. But if it doesn't happen the way we thought it would happen, we still know he's with us and he never does anything wrong. And he's, he may not be on time, but he's never late, you see. He's with us. He's with us in our betrayals. 
He's with us celebrating our loyal friends. He's with us in our work. He plays with us. Huh. You see, whenever I, I watch boxing, Nancy and I, we're, we're great boxing fans. Does that surprise you, of course? But um, I, I know Father and Son and Holy Spirit watching with us. Where we... He's part of our fun, you see. He goes on vacation with us. It isn't now you're doing something unspiritual. You can't, can't do anything unspiritual for the ultimate spirit is with you, never leaves you. It's in all the questions of family, all, all the anxieties, all your fears for your children. He shares them and he's your strength. And he's with them too, you see never leaves and when you're working up the finances you do it you do it over Matthew 6 where it says about what to eat and what to wear and but he says your father knows and that's that word he knows everything there's not a detail of your budget that he doesn't know he knows what's hanging in the closet he knows what's in the refrigerator he knows you relax he's with you he's with you Well, what's my place? What's my response? The only possible response is, number one, pray, God, open my eyes. Because face it, there's a whole lot of people that have never thought of God being with us, quite the way I've said it tonight. And let me be honest that there are times when some flashback to ancestor thinking hits me. I, I need the prayer that I pray every day of my life, which is Ephesians 1 and 17 and following, where the eyes of your understanding being opened, enlightened, flooded with light, so that you might know the hope to which you have been called, and this that I speak of is hope. Or Colossians 1 is it verse 9 where, where it says that you might be filled with the knowledge of God and that doesn't mean to know about God it means the knowledge that God has of you may you be filled with that that you might know God as God knows God and know yourself as God knows you filled with the knowledge of God oh let it be so and my response to that is trust I, I can't earn it of course not God owns his witness. <laughs> I can't control him and say, well, I've been a good boy, so you can be with me. I've been a bad person, so you've got to wait till Sunday when I get saved again, and then you can be with me. No, he's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Jesus told me that all through the Gospels, and therefore I trust the faith of Jesus. He knew that the Father was with him and with him because he's in us and we're in him. And, and so I can relax. The Father's with me. I don't always feel like that. I'm feeling it a lot right now, but I don't always feel like that. And so without a feeling in my body, sometimes I declare the truth and begin to rejoice that the Father in and through the Son, through the Holy Spirit is in me, with me, ahead of me, behind me, around me. 
It's amazing. My wretched feelings give up their stupidity and join in. Well, there it is. My time is gone. But it is time to renew how you see your whole life and realize he's been with you all the way and that's why that's it you're here now receiving this word if your life had been any other way it wouldn't be so you wouldn't be here but he's with you he's brought you he's in you and he has a purpose and a plan for a hope so he's all in you with you ahead of you and all you can do is say be it unto me according to your word and now the blessing of God who is almighty love the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit his blessing be with you and in you opening your eyes to truth as it is in Jesus bringing you to that rest which is peace which is joy that's the way it is